it's something it's something that we're like capable of doing like people like people think that um like it's all like the banks and the media but what they don't know is that every time every time a jew claps <laughs> all around the Go world on. all around the world all around the world <laughs> mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. other Very jews also also know oh yes 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 and then yes. we ha- we all cla- yeah. and we all clap together like if you ever see if you ever see me just do this out of nowhere mm. it's because I know. Well, that was what was and so offensive about Friends having the claps in the theme tune. Yeah. Mm. Well, Friends is a Jewish show that pretends it's not. Oh, okay. I... As is some of Seinfeld. Yeah, true, true. Uh, which I can uh, speak about more or less without kind of like pausing without notes for <laughs> longer, it's, it's longer always, than I it's should. It's yeah, really my fun specialist subject. when we have a Jewish guest and Phoebe will go off into some like, D- deep territory like Jewish riffing stuff and I sit there going I- I'm going to not comment on this <laughs> I'm going sure, to sure, just sure, quietly sure. recuse myself from this <laughs> yeah well it's the kind of thing like Jews can say and then like if you're not Jewish it, it veers into like Kanye Westish <laughs> yeah. territory very quickly <laughs> so quickly so quickly yeah. um, what a turn the be- of like the, be- the best ones are when um when Milo like does a kind of oh come on you're d- you're just talking about yourself you're not talking about <laughs> you're not talking about anything that anyone else will recognize but then like our guest is going like yeah no exactly yep. um that's yep. like that's always a fun one mm. yeah yep yeah. there you go happens, happens every t- every time we have a Jewish guest it's like it's like part of the hazing ritual <laughs> of the show <laughs> it's something that we like to put people through mm. uh, just to check just to check that they don't you know that they're that they're not people who just don't get it you know. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. Yeah, we're ready. We're, 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 all so ready. Ready. we're ready to go. I'm ready for that Jewish haze. <laughs> we're ready for the Jewish haze, which is kind of a um a very uh specific and unpopular strain of marijuana. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like something you should get in a dispensary in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Makes you clap. A a, kind of a, a first draft of a Jimi Hendrix song. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I was just going to make a, a probably not very funny joke about. The fraternities at Berkeley, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but that's all I had. That's all I had. I think. Not bad. I think we've we've run, we've rung everything we can. We've out of, we've uh, brought out the, out the riff the to Jew, its natural the, conclusion. The Jewish haze. That's bit. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, well, actually, a Jewish hazing ritual is making them watch Seinfeld. Yeah. Actually, what it hey, is, hey, Joseph, what it is, is it is it is, ma- is, <laughs> is it is making is making somebody making a Gentile watch Seinfeld, and then if they laugh. Then you get them. <laughs> what, are, what are you laughing at? That's how you do it. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, sorry. What? What's what, so funny what about my, my do you culture? Think is funny about this? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, fun. it's a fun. It's a fun. It's a fun. Fun little bit to do. Yeah. Good bit. Yeah. Classic. It's a, bit. it's a classic bit. It's a classic bit. Yeah. That was that was the cunning long game revenge of the Jewish people was to invent sort of the sitcom as an art form and then challenge Gentiles for laughing at it. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Generally, the scale uh, given like the scales of justice writ large insufficient no yeah it's i would pretty say insufficient. so yeah. like i f- like i would like to say it makes up for the other stuff but i don't know no, i don't know i don't yeah. feel i don't feel like it does you may be starting to scratch yeah. the surface of the pyramids but i don't think it's getting at anything beyond that yeah <laughs> i don't think you you'd really you'd really struggle to even the scales there um so we, <laughs> we are talking about 
<laughs> that's that's my hot take. I think Milo it's pretty hard to make up for that des- one. Just, just, just deciding to just like knock <laughs> that whole line of inquiry on the head. It's like, okay, like, I'm not going to suggest something that would make up for it. Yeah. Because I'm, gonna, I'm knowing my I'm own limitations gonna, here. I'm just going to. You know gonna, what? You know what? I think that's beautiful. <laughs> we can't. Yeah. I think this is cross-cultural sharing and I yeah. think it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Reco- like recognizing when you can riff no more. Mm. That's that's really the skill. Yeah. Yeah. Any idiot can tell a joke knowing when the joke is over. Mm. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. I might write that down. It's riff great. Riff, riff No More is also my favorite <laughs> improv show. <laughs> it's kind of an immersive experience. Yeah. It's always good when an improv show stops, in my opinion. That's always good. That, that's, that's the best part of any improv show, when they recognize that they should never have begun. Um, yeah, that is, I think that, that actually, that is the Gentile art form to rival <laughs> the Jewish art. <laughs> that's, that's our equivalent, uh, you know, the improv show. That is really funny. I will say stand-up is very Jewish and improv much less so. Yeah. What well, like in like in this country it it really isn't. It's not a it is not a Jewish art form at all in this country. Interesting. No. Mm. Even culturally there's too much like um satisfaction in a job well done. <laughs> <laughs> That's I true. I think that that is there's too much like there's a um gosh there's an, I I wish I had the there's like a an improv theater in New York that does occasional stand-up. It used to be the UCB, one of the UCB venues. And there's a a poster on the wall that just said like, hey, you did a great job. It's like some kind of encouraging thing. And I'm like, that's how I know it's not a stand-up <laughs> venue. Because in a stand-up venue, it'd be a frame poster that says like, nice try, fucko. <laughs> this is, um, I, uh, when I was at the Edinburgh Festival in August, um, I was uh, uh, so uh, my girlfriend is a lawyer for a talent agency, and so I, I got I got I had to go to a couple of theatre shows, which is always a big risk mm-hmm. at the Edinburgh Fringe. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend doing that. And one of them <laughs> is a very pretentious theatre piece about a stand up comedian who's and and like get this though it's kind of like Homeland, but a stand up comedian who's depressed this time instead of a CIA. Uh-huh. Uh, so like, I mean that is like that is like a bit different in like because like. Like one of them, mm. like has the capacity to, like, cause the most like kind of horrendous damage, and like the other ones, the CIA. Yeah, you know, the CIA have <laughs> you know they've done some bad things, but they've also helped some people. Whereas I don't think stand up <laughs> has ever helped anyone. No, nobody's ever been helped by stand up. No. Um, but then again, on like the scale, do, like, the mean, scales terms, most of most comedians though are destabilizing rooms with their consent <laughs> and smaller populations i think it's yeah. the scope that is true look all i'm all i'm saying is that if a stand-up comedian had been allowed to handle guatemala it would have been even worse yeah. the the cia that's all i'm mm. saying that's all i'm saying the CIA are more like a kind of a compare or an mc you know like they're they're mm-hmm. saying like we don't like this comic who's on now we're going to remove him and we're going to replace him mm-hmm. with another comic except it's the president well, yeah that's true yeah. what what is an MC except for someone implementing a series of regime changes? Exactly. Yeah. The CIA are yeah. there. That's they're the th- paying a bunch of uh, guys from a stag do. They're arming them and they're, they're placing mm-hmm. them in the front row and using them to sabotage one mm-hmm. of the comedian's sets in order to justify removing mm-hmm. him um, mm-hmm. and placing him in something else. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, this play, uh, one, of the, one of the key elements of it was that they had all these scenes in like... Uh, 
like the green room of the comedy club mm-hmm. and um, had all these interactions between the different comedians, which was, <clears throat> this was, it was so powerful. Like, okay, I can believe this is what actors are like backstage. And you've just assumed comedians are the same because you're an actor writing mm-hmm. this. Um, and it was just constantly oh, like, interesting. Just people going like, hey, great set, man. Really loved that. And then just going, I'm like, this is not what comedians no. are like. First of all, they wouldn't be talking to each other at all. Jot that yeah. down. <laughs> you're just talking talking trash about unrelated stuff. You go, <laughs> yeah. this is what you say in the green room, for sure. This is the most common. Not that comedians hate each other or don't enjoy each mm. other's work. But when you're gigging night after night with people that you mm. see a lot, you always go, hey, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to make it in there, but it sounded great. It really, from here, it sounded yeah, great. Like, looks That's like what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounded like you were yeah, killing exactly. it, and then like maybe every like one in yeah. ten people, you say like, "Oh man!" Like everyone dies. Everyone dies. It happens. It happens. Yeah, um, yeah Just yeah, to yeah. kind of mix it up mm. a little bit on the feedback front. I mean, yeah. like I am not a comedian, as far as I can tell. This is how it works. <laughs> There's um. A club in Minneapolis, Acme, which is great. And I don't know if I haven't been in a while, but on the on the door in the green room is just painted, love the new stuff. <laughs> and it's so funny because that's the other comedian comment. Great set. Loved the new stuff. Because <laughs> it's like love you this. get to be, that's what every comic wants to hear, that the new stuff is working. Mm-hmm. But you also don't have to have any specifics. Yeah, exactly. There's no need to. Yeah, you just got to give a generalized compliment that uh, has no has no factual grounding. Or th- I think the most common thing I do in comedy green rooms is bitch about someone who isn't there. That's yeah. The, uh, that's I mean, if there's a uh, if there's a play about comedians in a green room where that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. I feel like they're missing something crucial. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah very very are. much so. Try just like open shit talk. And then if you want to really mm-hmm. really devastate a comedian, what you say is. Oh, that bit that you did. Is that new? That bit? <laughs> <laughs> that, like, that gets them because... I think there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> that thing you closed on, I think there's yeah, something there. Like, well, it's, there's, definitely like, I, it's definitely the beginning of something and they're just like, this has been in my 10 for the last five years. Yeah, this is... I've done this on television. <laughs> uh, the, Pope, the Pope applauded when I performed it once. Um, and they'll still get shaken and be like, I guess I can't do this again. Um, there's this story. I'm sure this exists in every city, a version of this. But I'm from Boston. I started stand-up in Boston. I'm from the Boston area. And mm-hmm. I was always told the story of the headliner going up to one of their opening acts before they go on stage and go, hey, I'm going to give... I'll give you hot crowd tonight i'll give you 20 bucks if you just go out there and eat shit just crickets no laughs if you do i'll give you 20 bucks in addition to whatever the club is paying you and the Mm. the opener is like screw you man get out of here you're just messing with me and goes up has like a totally fine set comes off stage feeling good and then the headliner slips in the 20 and goes i didn't think you were really gonna do it (laughs) 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 and i I heard this story. This story is told to me with like a couple names maybe attached, but like I it's you know, it's I to me it feels apocryphal and like it could mm. like a like a Paul Bunyan, like an urban legend <laughs> yeah. type thing. Like it's, oh it's my, the two the unknown to my soldier. Like it could have been any yep. comedian. Yeah. Could have been any comedian. Right. Yes. Mm. That's very funny. But it's so funny. I, it's like one of my favorite uh comedy jokes. Yeah, that's that's really really good. God, that is devastating. Oh, yeah, to be right. fair, Milo, I have se- I, I have seen Milo interact with other comedians, and he's not like he's not like he's not 
being unfair to himself, he does just like bond with them through bitching. It's yeah. it's cute. It's like a teenage girl. That's a big part yeah. of it. It's not the only part of it. No. Like I think there is a lot of real camaraderie. Like I think publicly people talk about comedians like, oh, they're all like lone wolves and they, you know, rambling and travel in the world and and misanthropes. <laughs> and I think there is a real sense of community. But one of the ways that that community is activated is through just like ruthless complaining, which is why mm. one of the reasons that it's a very Jewish art form. <laughs> well, maybe this is maybe this is the issue with the UK comedy scene because, like, whenever whenever I've been around mm. large numbers of comedians, um, they always like they're always kind of standing more or less in silence because none of them oh, like well none of them wants to like joke around too much in case <laughs> none of them wants to joke around too much in case somebody like hears and steals their jokes oh interesting um and also like quite yeah. a lot of them are not especially like they're not like they're not charm based comics so okay. like if they're like if they're expected yeah, yeah, yeah. to kind of operate without notes they don't really know they don't really know what to do interesting and so what you need to do in these situations yeah. is you need to introduce yourself as the chaos particle mm-hmm. um so you know for example be the a three-hand improv troupe yeah. from uh, Brighton, the chaos <laughs> yeah. particle. So, sure. for, so for example, they're, they're a, they're a for example, <laughs> be the only person at a very, very like not party party. Uh, be the only person mm-hmm. there on MDMA, like that's that that kind sure. of thing. Sure, sure, sure. Um, mm. Like particularly one of those yep. parties where like all the lights are like turned blindingly up. And people are just yep. kind of yeah. standing around looking uncomfortable. Everyone else everyone else thinks it's a book club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you can tell, Josh, but Phoebe is referencing a specific thing that she did at a specific party. <laughs> <laughs> it feels true. The details are there. I'm I yeah, I, deep, deep I misjudged the vibe of a party before yeah. I went. Yeah. Um yeah, any any party that's UK comedians is never going to be something which other people would consider to be a party no. per se. <laughs> sure. There'll be people there. You know, it'll probably be in a room. That's yeah. that's where the similarities with another party mm. would end. Yeah, like, um, oh, is this traffic? <laughs> I know there aren't cars, but it has the feel of traffic yeah, to me. There's a yeah, that's that oh my yeah. god, that's exactly what it's like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think what you have to understand is British people in general, but especially British comedians, treat any kind of social interaction where there's any more than, like, let's say, three people there as though it is the Hunger Games. <laughs> and, like, like, one person will leave alive, <laughs> and you need to make sure that you are that yeah. person. There's very little camaraderie in this country in general. Yeah, no, no. We, uh, unless people start we are sweet not, Caroline we are not on the a camaraderie-based country so that's, at all. that's one of my favorite things, because when I moved to New York, I was very afraid mm. that it would be very cutthroat and i think the scene here is very competitive mm. in that there are lots of mm. people who have similar goals and sometimes that puts people in positions where like some people will succeed and other people will be stalled you know what i mean if you're auditioning mm. for the same showcase or whatever sure. um, but i think like generally it is very sociable and friendly um Especially once you kind of find your, like, oh, this is where I fit in, more or less. It's like a very, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, yeah, I think it's a lot more, uh, 
charm based and a lot more like, oh, this person's a good hang, so they get booked. Oh yeah, no, no, you should, you should, you should, you should come here and do some gigging. I think it'd be very. Okay. I think from an anthropological oh, expe- uh, <laughs> perspective, I think it would be quite interesting for you. Yeah. To, I'm also <laughs> to see these kind even, of grim, stony faced people all saying like, oh, what so if you try and make a joke to them? Mm. Even yeah. by American standards, I am very friendly. <laughs> so this uh, okay, this yeah. is going to be a real culture shock. But then it's also a weird thing because, like, so um, Phoebe and I work with a bunch of n- North Americans, uh, Americans and Canadians of various stripes who kind of work in kind of like the comedy adjacent mm. industries here. And um, what I've noticed about British people when they're around Americans is that Americans are sort of treated like UN observers to the British social hierarchy. Okay. So like. No one, because anyone who is from the UK, there's an immediate sense of like, you can just listen to someone for 30 seconds and be like, okay, I understand exactly where you fit sure. into the like fucked up social hierarchy I have in my head. Whereas anyone who's not from here, people are just like, okay, well, this guy, he's like outside of the, uh, outside of this like fucked up kind yeah, of you're, Yeah, you're like a kind of independent adjudicator as far as we're concerned. Sure. Yeah. So we sure. have to treat him with a kind of polite deference. Um, oh, because it's unclear how he so you can really like observe from the outside like Nate who I work with just regularly observes how like different British people react to me versus him mm. whereas oh. to him they're always just like straightforwardly polite and then with me it like really varies depending on like who they are and wow. who they think I am <laughs> um, like this is the thing because I'm talking yeah. about I'm very much talking about comedians like comedians in the south like maybe there is a friendly collegial comedy scene in the north there may well be uh i'd honestly i'd be surprised i imagine that what <laughs> i imagine that what you see up there is a comedy scene which likes to say oh we are collegial and we are warm and we have like you know good camaraderie unlike those unlike mm. the unlike the soft southern bastards but actually it's exactly the same thing and it's just the room full of like of just of just people who look like they are like still involved in a kind of thousand yard stare of like their school like their kind of school bullies and they they just think huh. that their school bullies are outside <laughs> in the corridor <laughs> waiting to come in the green room sure. and and pants them or something. Um, wow! Like I, Which I, is I, the CIA does I think that, that I think that's what it is. I think that all British comedians think that they are possibly having a joke played on them and so they're very okay. kind of so they're very kind of like watchful and insecure <laughs> like just in like just in case someone like it's all a big long con and someone starts yelling psych oh mm. fascinating it's yeah it's fascinating yeah. american i mean the, the i think the difference between uh New York and LA comedians, which is a premise no one's ever really gotten into before. So if people are listening and they're like, I'm not ready for this shit. Um, the East Coast, up. West Coast stand up comedy. Yeah, role. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that I think in LA, there's kind of a feeling of like, tonight can be the night that everything changes. And in New mm-hmm. York, it's like a very um, existentialist philosophy of like, nothing will ever be different. So I might as well just fucking do the thing. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's depending on how how east you're from. I think the yeah. further east you go, the more that increases. I so think you're saying the- across the Atlantic Ocean, it, yeah. the, there's more of a sense of kind of grim despair. Yeah, just keep extrapolating what you've already <laughs> interpolated from how it is yeah. LA to New York, and then just push that like three thousand right, miles. Five more time zones. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then then you got it. That's pretty much how it yeah. is. 
Oh yeah, we also have um, like we well, also have like an interesting subset of um of like career anti woke comedians, um, which I'm sure you have. Oh, in the, sure. I'm sure you have mm. in the states as well. Um, yeah, but ours are really interesting because they are so like inculcated with a certain kind of like kind of comic sensibility, which unless they happen to be a Jewish comic is like is so like it's so waspish. And it's mm-hmm. all like mm-hmm. kind of this sort of smirking Radio Four kind of. Um, what was the what was the suggestion that I gave to you, Milo, for the writing you were doing about quasi courting? I can't about the now. oh, he's doing so yeah. many U turns, he's going to end up in the magistrate's court. That one, yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. To- like that's mm-hmm. the tone of like it's like it's yeah. very yeah, like I said, it's very waspy and it's very kind of smirky and very. Like very, very middle class and very white, and it's all like, and it's all based. <laughs> Josh was just passively just like, nodding. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm trying to drop <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, that did for sure. I was like, you turned yeah. to the magistrate. This is like <laughs> that. Whenever somebody's like, dude. You've got to watch Blackadder. It's groundbreaking. <laughs> That's what I picture them saying. Like, you've done so many U-turns, you end up in the magistrate. And I'm like, I'm sure this is groundbreaking watershed comedy, but the words, and I hear the structure <laughs> of a sentence, yeah. but the words to they're not words to me. <laughs> no, and that's completely fair. And like, in like, in all fairness, like I like I like Blackadder is a really good example. Like, I grew up watching it. I. I love it very, very much. I think if it came out now, the radio fourness of it would be pretty sure. hard mm. to take. Sure, sure, so sure. That's like well, that's the like that's the vibe of like what most people in this country like grow up with. So when you turn into an anti woke comedian because you can't get booked anywhere else, and like yeah. honestly, it's like its own it's its own mode of production. Like you know, they like as long as like you're willing to say the worst possible things that you can think of, like you're you're fine. You will be fine if you're an anti woke comedian as long as mm. you don't mind like everyone hating you. Um. Actually, no, not even everyone hating you. Except for the people that pay you $100 a month for your podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a a good grift. You can't say it's not a good grift. I think that's Um, what's annoying about it is that none of them are like, I I always always watch, particularly the British ones, and I always think if I had the latitude which you're being given to work with of being able to say pretty much anything, I would be able to do so much more with it. (laughs) You really, you're not even... (laughs) You're not even trying hard enough. You've not shocked me once. But this is the 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 point. These are all jokes I heard watching comedy specials from 1989. (laughs) Exactly. And this is the the point I'm making. I'm sorry, Phoebe. I didn't mean to keep jumping in on you. No, no, it's absolutely fine. No, 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 no. no. It's it's, it's part of active listening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Because everyone grows up with with this kind of comedy being like, the kind of the bedrock of the kind of comedy they they like think yeah. of as comedy and like it's it's like it's all of it like Mon- like people fit like people insist that like Monty Python was like iconoclastic it's not it's Radio Four bullshit it's one hundred percent Radio mm-hmm. Four bullshit every like it's maybe a little bit surreal in places but it's still Radio Four so <laughs> so anti woke comics all sound like they're writing for Radio Four just racist. That's, That's literally so they, they they can't yeah. help it. They can't help like falling into exactly the same register, which is what they claim they hate and are standing against. It's very, very funny. So it's I, I see what you mean. And I think, you know, I don't wanna 
put anybody specifically on blast because I don't, especially because not knowing the lay of the land of UK comedy quite as much and like their cultural resonance, but I've definitely seen comics. I mean, like the, the biggest one that, that has, who has crossed over here. I feel like when Ricky Gervais is like, I'm real. Oh boy. I am really (laughs) ruffling feathers and shaking, shaking trees. You're like, man, this is like the, We've heard these ones before. Yeah, like th- you're playing cover songs, yeah, buddy. Hundred percent. And the thing about Ricky Gervais is, like, he doesn't have the energy of a comedian. He has the energy of like a dad who, yeah. like, gets a little bit over familiar with his university age son's girlfriend. Like that's <laughs> yep. like that's Ricky Gervais is like like oh oh look at her oh she doesn't like that does she oh my god look at her face oh she's mortified oh look at her look at her and then he sort of like pretends to hug her to like say like oh I'm sorry but actually he's trying to feel her up. That's what Ricky Gervais is to me. He's not a comedian. He <laughs> is like any number of like unpleasant father in laws <laughs> that my history is apparently limited like littered with. <laughs> and it's all he had to do was not do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so easy. like he had his legacy before he started being the guy that's like, ooh, 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 are, are we offended, aren't we? Mm. Before mm. he did that, he had such a um, well-loved legacy. Yeah. And we're and back to Kanye And then he was like, for my second act. And we're back to Kanye Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they should do um, a special together. Now, now that I would watch the, <laughs> the dark energy John Mayer and Dave Chappelle. Um, I, <laughs> Dave Chappelle we, I mean, is the dark energy Dave Chappelle now. Who is? Oh, Dave, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle yeah, 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 is, yeah, is the dark energy Dave Chappelle. I mean, he another, need another, another one. person who, who I think had such a beloved legacy and then took this turn. And it's so, to me, I don't want to go too off the rails with this, but like with Dave Chappelle, I think when he talks about like race in America, he says things that are so uncomfortable and often so um, piercing mm. that in a in a way that is like indicting people with power across racial dynamics, white people mm-hmm. specifically. But then as soon as there's any kind of intersection with gender, it just feels like he is speaking about a, an America that he's invented or is like ignoring large swaths mm. of. Oh yeah. It's like it's it's interesting because it's it's like there was a kind of uh kind of scarcity distribution. So so it's like, okay, right, right. We're gonna let you be good on one thing, and then everything else you're just gonna be insane and dog shit. That's he was cursed like, by that's, a witch. Well, yeah, he was cursed by a witch. Well, I think this is this is like pundit brain, right? Yeah. Where like when you're writing about politics like even if you're smart about one thing and have one good idea and you're like oh i guess i get to write about everything now and you just like get so far out over your skis right Mm. in a lot of circumstances and this isn't like specific to a dave Chappelle or ricky gervais but you like people who have been like writing like new york times columns for like 30 years you're just like oh you're cooked you're out (laughs) of ideas like you got to get out of the game you you've had all your thoughts already and now you're just like putting the batteries in the freezer seeing if there's any juice left and then plugging it back in it's got to be something we have this that in this country but in this country it's like it's really surprisingly it is cambridge educated music journalists because there is no like, there's no real music journalism here anymore. Like, there isn't any real music journalism anywhere. Um, well, ever since the mystery jets went down, there's nothing to talk about. 
<laughs> Ever since they got rid of the feeling. Well, what more is there to deep, say about British a, music? That's a, that's a deep cut. The Mystery Jets. How have you even heard of the Mystery Jets? Aren't they a little bit after your time? No, no that's like about your my time, time, rather. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, because of because of Radio Two. No, the Mystery <laughs> Jets. They were around when I was a teenager. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I don't know what what age you think I am. To be honest, it's a running joke on the show that no one knows how old Phoebe is. But I'm starting to think Phoebe doesn't know how old I am. I do know how old you are. You are somewhere between twenty two and fifty six. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the day. Um, now, this is a show where we <laughs> allegedly discuss the hit 90s sitcom. It is, yeah, sorry. No, no, it's, it's, absorb- it's absorbing discussion about, yeah. <laughs> about the state of British UK comedy. Reaching it's out across the Atlantic. I'm riveted. This is all interesting to, have. It's to an me. interesting yeah. conversation to have. And thank you for speaking for the listener there, Josh. I think it's good to know <laughs> thank you. what I That's assume me. they think. I was doing an impression of every listener individually. <laughs> <laughs> They're nodding right now as they sit on the tube or... Um, Whatever transport system they use in Australia, um, you know, a, mm-hmm. a big, a big dog or something, um, and uh, they're <laughs> Apl- uh, uh, aboard the Blue Origin shuttle. Oh possibly. yeah, of course, yeah. Oh, Bezos is a big fan. Uh, he's a big fan mm-hmm. of the show. Love Seinfeld. Um, Love yeah. Seinfeld. Um, and so yeah, it, uh, I'm Marla Webber, someone who's never seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. Uh, this week we're talking about. Season six, episode eleven, the switch, and uh, we are joined all the way uh, from New York, uh, speaking for the very first time on this episode. Uh, it's Seinfeld expert uh, Josh Gondelman. How are you doing? I am great, thank you. And yourselves? How are you? Yeah, are you pretty good? good. Well, I'm sick. I'm sick, as I said, as I said before we right, started recording. Right, right. I'm mm. really sick, and I'm very unhappy about it. Yeah, I, I'm. Thank you for persevering under these conditions. Mm. I, I'll cancel plans even from my own home at the drop of a hat. <laughs> so I re- truly, I sounded sarcastic and was like, oh, thanks for doing a podcast when you're sick. But truly, I'll cancel anything. <laughs> well, just just like the kids these days. <laughs> yep, that's me. Cancel culture, run amok. Absolutely. Yeah, it's me, but it's me canceling yeah, plans. Cancel culture, but it's, but it's only in my own very, very currently painful skull. Yeah. Normally I go into the studio and record with Milo, but today I'm Even at the home. house is canceled. Mm. Anything where anyone has to see my face over a video call is cancelled. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This is I, I, I like. I very much admire that um, that principled stance that you're taking. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, Thank you. But yeah, so, here uh, cooking dinner cancelled. <laughs> <we're ordering. laughs> yeah, you know, you know who used to eat dinner? Slave owners. So think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So we open with a bit. I do think about that daily. <laughs> yeah, as as well you should. As well you should. Um, we open with a bit where um, uh, Jerry. It, it's Which one of the most. Which episode are we doing, Milo? I, I've said this. It's season six. Oh, episode eleven. The switch. Okay. I'll say it again. I'm, for I'm, I'm sick. She's sick. She didn't. You've got she, to be nice and patient with me because she's I'm got an sick. ear infection. Um, <laughs> yes, she's podcasting deaf. She's lip reading right now. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, we do. <laughs> Practically, I mean, that's this is the Michael Jordan flu game. Podcasting <laughs> with an ear infection. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jerry, it's one of Jerry. In my opinion, it's one of Jerry's most absolutely Byzantine bits. It's <laughs> uh, it's a it's, baffling bit. <laughs> it is true. Well, it's because it's one of those things that it's not like offensively outdated. Like you're not like, oh yikes, you can't, you shouldn't say that now. But it is truly like it's about tennis attire, mm. which has just changed enough over the past twenty seven years that you're like, nope. This is nothing anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm not even sure even in the mid 90s that this bit made that much sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It is like, but it's, I also, I was, I clocked the stand up mm. because season one, the stand up is like almost exclusively like when you're dating, men want this and women want that. Mm. So, like, and, and my wife and I binged the whole series, uh, like, late 2020 Mm -hmm. so once we got out of the woods with that i was just grateful for the bits that made me go like what are you talking about jerry this is nonsense (laughs) finally something to get my teeth into like a really weird this is not an observation this is it's an imagined observation yeah this is an imagined observation even even when it was all tennis whites right which i think Mm. they're still pretty insistent on in in some of the major tournaments Mm. I never looked at those clothes and were like, oh, that's underwear. Yeah, which is which is Jerry's theme. Which is what he suggests. Yeah, he's like, it's, it's the only sport that you play in what you would normally wear as underwear under the sports kit. And I'm not sure what, it's the only sport he's ever watched, like, American football. I'm trying to imagine in what you, in what universe you'd be like, oh, yeah, you, you're probably wearing a T-shirt and shorts under there. He's watching, he watches baseball. We've seen him watch baseball. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the best, like the best framework to think of this particular bit is as as is quite a quite a lot of his bits fit into this framework is like we imagine that Jerry is an alien. He's writing a report for his alien boss <laughs> on the ways of the humans, and because <laughs> he doesn't have anything to he doesn't have anything to like contextualize tennis whites with, so he just sees like a white pair of shorts, and he's like, oh well, this must be underwear. Um, mm-hmm. so like, so it's, so it's, so it's less that he doesn't know what tennis whites are, less that he doesn't know what underwear is. Mm. And it's more that he's like, he's making that, he's making that contextual link so that it will make sense to his alien boss, his alien boss okay. handler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Um, yeah. He, there, because there, the, I think the success of his comedy, right, is, is so much because he doesn't explain to the listener a lot of the time he gives you a lot of like this is how it is and then he extrapolates Mm. from there right and so if this isn't if you're not like he never goes in tennis people wear clothes that are like this which reminds me of underwear Mm. for thus reasons you you like when you're not on board with the thing he brings up you're just like this is just washing over me like the tides. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to imagine like him t- tuning into like a, a women's singles match at Wimbledon and just thinking that he's watching Babe Station. He's like, oh boy, I can't believe they're allowed to show this at this time of day. <laughs> but like Babe Station from the 70s because mm. like of the kind of the sort of industrial bras. Yeah, this, yeah. the softest core. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the softest possible core. Barely a core at all. Virginia Cloud Wade core. waving a landline Cloud phone core. receiver at you. Cool now. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. These these women are out here first of all participating in athletics mm. which is unbearably sensual to a man of my era. Yeah. <laughs> uh they're groaning. And with ankles and knees exposed. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry's a Victorian. We've finally gotten to the bottom. <laughs> of it. Yeah, wait wait until I mean there Sorry, go ahead. For no, I'm just saying for a guy who like constantly fucks on the show. <laughs> he does have a very reserved sensibility mm. i was watching this tv show and they were showing all these table legs can't believe it <laughs> well maybe, the, maybe like, the whole thing is is that like he, like he like he like he fucks but like nudity is something which he has a kind of is he has a problem with so, yes so I think, it's, it's explicit in one episode <laughs> it right good ex- naked bad it, naked. indeed explicit in one episode yeah 
but that's that's uh, quite that's quite far in the future, and yeah. Milo has not seen it yet. Not but yeah, it. no, 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 it's a uh, it's yeah, it's oh, ma- okay. it's made explicit that Jerry is fundamentally quite disgusted by the human body, um, which is which is which is an interesting thing because it because it feels like with every like woman that he every woman that he dates, he will be finding new axes on which to be disgusted by, which I think buys into my theory that Jerry is an alien. He's not a carbon-based life form. So he thinks mm. carbon-based life forms are like are kind of infinite in their possibility for being repulsive. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting because George knows how unreasonable he is, right? Like even in this episode, George says, don't, don't you, do you wake up every morning and pray that you have access to me and my dementia, right? <laughs> like he knows that he's, he's fundamentally uh, interacting with the world in a different way than others. And I think Jerry sees himself as like the only reasonable person in an unreasonable world. And George, I think sees himself as like, I've cracked the matrix and I'm like, I know how to, to deal with normal people. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. George's book club that he's going to for a woman has finally gotten around to Sally Rooney and they're going <laughs> to, they're going to crack into it. Um, so yeah, we open at the, at the racket club. Um, you know what? I reckon that the whole show is, um, is actually like a, a show about, this beleaguered man, George Costanza, trying to kind of carefully, kindly get his alien friend through life. But it's just so happened that we have been shown it through the unreliable narration lens of the alien. Oh, it's Shutter Island, but the island is Manhattan. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Costanza is making the notes. As Elaine Venice would call it. (laughs) As Elaine Venice would call it. Shut up, Island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she would. Yes, she yes, would. She would. In, a, in a sexy way. Um, yeah, we open at the racket club, and um, Jerry's been playing tennis uh, with uh, his current current girlfriend of the week, Sandy. Current squeeze. Yeah, current squeeze. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, she's in a band with Jules Holland. And um, Elaine <laughs> is there. <laughs> I'm amazed that you got that reference, Josh. That's incredible. Love it. Um, <laughs> and um, that really, the most British people wouldn't even get that. That's really, that's, that's a deep cut. Um, I'm here for it. And um, Elaine is there getting uh, Mr. Pitt's uh, racket restrung, uh, whereupon uh, she bumps into a woman who works for Double Day and says there might be a job for Elaine at Double Day, but she hasn't got a racket, so Elaine agrees to lend her Mr. Pitt's racket in the hope this is going to help with her quest to get a job at Double Day. Um, and then she makes a comment to Jerry that the girlfriend of this week uh, never laughs, um, mm. which weirdly is a plot point in that play. In Scrubs? I was talking about earlier. Oh, really? It, there's also a Scrubs episode or an arc where I believe it's Mandy Moore plays the girl... Uh, Zach Braff's girlfriend who never laughs and only says that's huh. funny. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah in know, this I, play, you know, I once got I once got accused um, by one of my rogues gallery of exes of never laughing. And Phoebe's exes honestly, are like the Suicide Squad. Like you might get them back together, but only in a time of great One of them's need. Pete Davidson. Like only in like the worst possible situation would you get these men together. Um, <laughs> like like it have to be like proper kind of like Putin's got a nuke pointed at my house before mm. I'm getting these men these men together okay. for anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that that reflects badly on me. Like that's not a good dunk. That's not a good gotcha. I know it reflects badly on me. However, um, this is my job now. 
they make good content. Um, and yeah, and he like, and this was like, this was in the kind of, you know, the very, you know, the unpleasant kind of last days of a relationship where like, you probably should just kind of, you know, bring the axe down and just break up. But instead you just, mm-hmm. you just like are horrible to each other for, you know, several weeks. Sure. Um, and he said, you know something, you know something's weird about you. You never laugh. And I just thought this was just such a beautiful unforced error because first of all, I laugh all the, the time. Fault. It, it's so it's mm-hmm. so easy to make me laugh. Like I'm like I'm the dumbest bitch alive. I'll laugh at anything. And I was just like, "Oh, right. Is it just that you don't make me laugh?" And he was wow. obviously so like he was so sure that this was going to be this kind of like devastating blow to me to be like, "You know what? You never laugh." And it's like, "No, I never laugh at you, my friend." <laughs> that's ah. People talk about things you should never say to a woman, but there are some things you should never say to a man, and that's definitely one of them. That's a Yeah. That's a real, that's going to cut him down. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I don't even know which ex this is, but I, I know that he deserved it. <laughs> I, I hope you did follow it up by going, maybe you just don't laugh at you, which is something, because I'm the dumbest bitch alive. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I'm the dumbest bitch alive because I thought that might like, ru- I thought that might yeah. like undermine yeah, the it opens the door to another line little. of conversation. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like you, you give him just enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Doing, doing like a tears in rain speech of like other things you've laughed at that he could never comprehend. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Um, yeah, you know, you know like, the, like the last thing that made me like properly like hysterically laugh is there is a big fat black and white cat that lives near us and whenever we see it my boyfriend sings the, the pink yes that's right my uh, my boyfriend sings the pink panther theme tune but like it was played by a tuba and oh that's funny first of all it's good it's a good bit it's a funny bit, good bit because because you see the cat like kind of bundling along the fence and he's like going oh boom yep. boom 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 and yeah it's that's just good. it's good it's a good bit but honestly it almost reduced me to tears that's how easy it is to make me laugh there you go and that's why your current relationship is a good one you know that's how you yeah. know <laughs> yeah that's how you know that's true yeah. um you yeah, know in, in this play the the comedian was in it was in a gay relationship um but the uh but, but it, it was a serious play and so this wasn't played for laughs at all, where the concept was that this guy had some rare condition where if he laughed, it could cause him to have a seizure and he would die. And like this but comedian. that's funny. Sorry, that's like, funny. It's, it's, that's a Seinfeld, funny. it's a Seinfeld plot line, but it's played straight. And he's dating a comedian? <laughs> yeah. And so then this comedian is getting genuinely really insecure and upset that he can never like make this guy laugh. And he's having this like real existential crisis about it. And all the Guardian readers in the audience are all like, you know, they're like on the verge of tears watching this heartfelt thing about, well, I love this man, but he can never laugh. And I'm just sat there being like, this, this is Seinfeld with no jokes. In. <laughs> That's oh, so funny. Yeah. I didn't like, cause I didn't know about you seeing this play. Like the only play I knew about you seeing was like the one that you messaged me in the, like in the, oh, the interval when you were like the four hour what- harrowing play about sexual abuse in Dutch. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that one. like yeah. I'm watching a I'm watching oh, a Dutch adaptation of a little life and I was just like <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow, see wow, that wow. made me that made me laugh. It's easy to make me laugh. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. yeah, that was very that was it was it was very funny in a kind of abstract after the fact way. Um because Dutch is such a silly language. You can't do a play about sexual abuse in Dutch. They tried, it didn't work because Dutch is too funny. Mm-hmm. You can't take people speaking Dutch mm-hmm. seriously. It's not. It's not possible. I mean, this like this is why the Dutch East India Company managed to like 
do so much like so much kind of monstrous shit like for so many years because like you know the people in the like the people in the colonies were just like listen to this guy what's he saying fuck he's got a gun he's got a we don't even know what that is oh shit oh my god i know this is cross transnational but it any crime committed by a dutch person is like being strangled by the swedish chef you're like (laughs) well this is this is a monstrosity but like Florka Borka or whatever, like yeah. I can't take it that seriously. It's fundamentally yeah. embarrassing to be murdered by the Dutch, you know. It's like a Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I genuinely think that there was a lot of like kind of these people are talking extremely amusingly. This is very uh, oh, <laughs> what you, oh oh wait, oh no, you want this land. No, this is no, this is ours. Um no, I realized that we were laughing at you, but this is ours. Mm, this is yeah. our land. Wait, Ham, but before we finish this, just say sex again for me. They've got can you you know, that is what, what is it? What is it you call orange juice? Yeah, no, that is funny. That's funny. Can you say hip hip hooray for me in your land? Yeah, no, that's yeah. This is still our yeah. land, though. I know you have like guns and ships, but this is our land. Guns and ships. Guns and ships. Yeah, we then get a scene at the. Sorry, we then get uh, George is talking to Kramer about the girl he's dating, and she's like, "Oh, she, you know, she eats a lot, but she's a model." And then uh, Kramer's like, "Well, maybe she's bulimic." This is the Kramer actually went to a girls' boarding school arc. Uh, (laughs) this one is this storyline i'd forgotten and it's pretty rough it's it's a little rough and also like costanza's costanza's reaction is not great i don't think i don't think it's doesn't behave very well oh he behaves terribly (laughs) and it it leads us to one wonderful place but uh it the idea of like him trying to catch his girlfriend being bulimic for the and the reason he reveals is that she's wasting the money he spent on dinner by throwing it up is like very 90s <laughs> it is it's i mean it's very it's very it very much chimes with what we know about costanza as a character um that's true yes um that's true i agreed i mean if he wanted to go a bit hot a bit further he could say like she's like she's she is dishonestly hot if that's how she if that's how she looks like that um mm-hmm. that would be uh that would be a, a further place that he could take it mm. um which he doesn't like you know in all fairness but yeah it's a it's a rough storyline because his his he's not very sympathetic to her having mm. this horrible illness and and no one checks him no no one is like that's the other thing if there had even been a moment of someone being like you know, this is like a real this is disorder that causes a lot of suffering. And if he was like, nope, I'm just mad about the dinner. Mm. Like, then you're like, at least th- we've had the voice of conscientiousness and concern for her mental and physical health. But there's not, you don't even get that. No. It just is fully, he's in a frenzy trying to catch his girlfriend expressing her bulimia. No, like mm. what he's interested in, he's like, how does this like affect me? But mm-hmm. it makes sense that none of his friends um, yeah. object to his like the route that he takes because they mm. have got this kind of um, I suppose it's like a kind of like almost like a kind of biodome set up where they're like they're they're all like trapped together and they kind of start to and they start to experience kind of cross contamination mm-hmm. personality wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that Jerry and George basically throughout Seinfeld they have the same tragic flaw which is that they're both compelled to look gift horses in the mouth like mm-hmm. george george has this really hot girlfriend and he can't he can't leave it at that 
he has to ruin it. He has to like find the problem. And Jerry would do exactly the same thing. He wouldn't necessarily do the same thing, but he would also find a way to ruin it for himself, if nothing else. He would yep. find something to not like about it. Um, and that's, I guess that's why they're friends. You know, they're drawn, they're bound by mm. this same fatal flaws that they both have. They, they both, they both have like the self, like the, like the self-destructive urge, like the self-destructive um, kind of death drive mm. of the Shakespearean hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both. Um, They're both King Lear. Yeah. And so then meanwhile, we're getting... If you like. <laughs> Jerry's starting to notice that Sandy is always saying that stuff's funny, but not actually laughing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, <laughs> Elaine discovers that the woman she lent the racket to has hurt her arm. Um, uh, and we get the scene where George also talks about how he's paying for all the food that she's that she's throwing up, which he thinks is a is a waste. Um, George is like a children in Africa guy, you know. He's like some people would be glad of that <laughs> meal, um, and uh, and then uh, Jerry suggests. Although having having said that, I don't know if you remember this, Mana. You might be a bit mm-hmm. young for this actually, but in this in this country. Um, or too old to remember. Or too old to remember, depending, like depending on, depending, depending, depending on, on which my, depending on which Milo joins us, um, he has a number. Um, mm-hmm. It was there was this there was this woman who ran um, an eating disorder clinic for um, for teenage girls, and for some reason she was kind of taken up by the British media in the kind of late nineties, early noughts as mm-hmm. a as a sort of as a kind of cause celebrity and she was given so much airtime and so much like and so much publicity and this woman was genuinely one of like the most appalling individuals in British public life which is like it's <laughs> genuinely that is that is the extent to which that is saying something um and her whole and her whole approach to tackling eating disorders was um, to say to these kind of these desperate parents, um, it, it was extremely expensive. This clinic as well, like obviously, of course, um, you got to make your money say to des- She would she would say to desperate parents mm-hmm. who were kind of absolutely end of their like end of their tether with their um, with their teenage daughters trying to get their teenage daughters in the main trying to get their teenage daughters to eat, um, and she would say to them. So I always say to them, Have you ever just put a high calorie meal in front of them and said? eat that and I remember watching this and thinking like I'm pretty sure they have That's tried like when that. an IT guy says have you tried turning it off and on again <laughs> have you ever tried yeah, just giving exa- her food yeah, and exactly. just seeing if she eats it yeah and Which, seeing and seeing if she eats but at it at least at least the IT one seems like it like it, it's, gonna, it's gonna be doing something sometimes. Yeah, like sometimes sometimes it's, it works not always it's but for sometimes. when you're being dumb yeah but it sometimes works this one is just yeah. like yeah and so what she would do at this, so what she would do at this clinic is she would force feed these girls. Oh, giving them the old suffragette um, drink. And then, and then girl, and then girls who were, and then girls who were, uh, who girls who were bulimic would be like put on like, like watch in a kind of jail thing to make sure that they weren't purging. Oh, and it was like, it was so evil and so abusive. And she, this woman was, Horrible. this woman was everywhere for like, Months and months and months and months, and then there was like some great. Then there was like, and then like somebody went public with like their experiences of being like horribly abused at this clinic, and like she kind of disappeared under a cloud, and I don't know what she, I don't know what happened to her. Nice. But yeah, it was really really fucked. And so I think that like I think that like I'm not trying to defend uh, Costanza or for that matter the writers, but I think that if you don't remember 
the 90s and the early noughts. Like the discourse around eating disorders was so horrible. Um, yes. Like this very was, much well, like this is very much like part of like the cultural weather, shall we well, say. This, this is why I said it's mm. like very 90s, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, when the discourse around bulimia is just like, well, just don't do that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah good, just good don't advice. do that. Just don't do that, man. Just, yeah, knock it off. What are you doing that for? Cut it out. Pack it in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then they... <laughs> yeah, pa- pack yeah. it in. So they uh, they cut, they hatch this plan where uh, George is going to bribe a woman who works as an attendant in a lady's toilet to spy on this woman, which is mad. But I think, crucially, it's mad because he is just trying to find any woman who's a lady toilet attendant, which means that he then has to get this woman to that toilet like there are so many points of failure in this plan um and then it turns out that kramer's mother he's not he's not one of life's Mm. planners like he's a big picture guy he's not a detail guy he's like me (laughs) i we think that the i was thinking about this too he just needed his plan involved finding an amenable Mm. attendant and then just bringing her to that restaurant right on a Mm. date yeah so it's a pretty controlled ecosystem. Once he found someone that would buy in on his yeah. horrible it also plan, it's a very nightclub thing to have a toilet attendant. I don't think I've ever actually seen one in a in a restaurant. Yeah. No, I've never seen one in a restaurant mm. either. Also, but like, what the hell? Fa- what the hell kind of person agrees to spy on someone to see if they have bulimia? Well, Kramer's mother. Kramer's mother. Kramer's, out, Kramer's right? mother. <laughs> she I guess it's Kramer. the sort of thing you could because I think the thing with George in this episode is. It's it's not how it unravels, but it could you it could easily be a story a storyline if it wasn't Costanza where he's just concerned and he's just trying to find out if he should be concerned or yes. not. In which totally. case, this would yeah. be kind Absolutely. of reasonable if you're like I, I'm trying to find this out because I'm concerned about her health or whatever. You yes. could kind of I could see you roping someone in on that. Um, yes, being so concerned and going, she won't say to me what she's doing, but I I have this hunch. I just need somebody who can that she will let her guard down in front of that can like fill me in on whether she's not okay, mm. whether she's not doing okay and I can try to get her help. But that's absolutely oh, no, not what he's not. doing. Um, and so we get a scene at Double Day where Elaine uh, meets the the tennis woman um, and she's got her arm in a kind of quite complex traction system and they're saying she may never play tennis again. She's really hamming it up. She's like, I, I might as well die if I can't play tennis. Um, well, that's how I feel yeah. about tennis. It's believable it? wasp behavior. Mm. Um and uh, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Kramer bumps into his mother and she calls him Cosmo and then George is very excited because they've all found out Kramer's first name now which has been a big mystery which that is this is like a landmark like I think they were teasing this mm. on the commercials before this episode they were going like we're gonna find out Kramer's mm. first name tonight like this was big yeah it's a big yeah. deal well you big know deal. like it was it was it was like it was a different time like people were not on there. People not, were not on their phones all the time. People didn't always call okay, each other cool. by their first name back okay. in the 90s. It was a more formal period, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a perfect name that turns out to be his first name. Cosmo Kramer. It's exactly right. It's exactly Ideal. It's, it's absolutely yeah. ideal. I, d- I don't know if Cosmo has any associations in, in the US, but I feel like in the UK, if someone's called Cosmo, that's such a like guy who went to boarding school last name. <laughs> such a like... I went to school with two Cosmos. <laughs> two Cosmos? I'm just, I don't, I, yeah. Carl Sagan over <laughs> two, here. Two Cosmos, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I know what you mean. It is like, it's very much a boarding school name, but like, okay. one of them, like one of them was very much, 
was very very boarding schooly, and then like the other one just like super super wasn't mm. and like lived on uh lived on an estate in Ke- in kentish town so i have no idea why he was called Kesm- why yeah, was possibly called like Kesm- a kind of your parents are hippies kind of name as well it sort of it straddles potentially yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that to me is more what it feels like here um so then we get uh scene in the apartment where uh, Elaine needs to get this racket back somehow but she felt too bad to ask for it because the woman was injured uh, which is kind of very very British coded behaviour from Elaine being like this is such an awkward situation I'm just going to leave mm-hmm. um, George then tells everyone about Kramer being called Cosmo they're all losing it Kramer walks in and he's like oh I see uh, and then he's like but actually I'm, from now on I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live up to it I'm going to be Cosmo I've been running from this for too long um, and so then uh, Jerry goes around to see uh, Sandy and he bumps into her flatmate, who is both attractive and also laughs at his jokes, which is what all men want, as we know. Um, and so yeah. then Jerry finds himself yeah. in difficult positions, which she's explaining to George at the cafe. He's like, you can see, you know, that I, I'm, I'm now into the flatmate. And then George is like, well, you've just got to never mention this again because the, the switch can't be done. And he's like, are you sure it can't be done? Uh, he's like, well, maybe there is a way. And then we get this long montage, which I think is, is this riffing on um, the sting? Is that the... I was trying to figure that out because I was like, this must be specifically directed as an allusion to something because it's so out of tone with yeah. the rest of the show. Yeah, I think I think it's supposed to be the sting or like or like something like of like that a heist type kind. thing. Yeah, yeah, yes. but like a, but like a, a like a noir mm. heist, yeah. like very yep. specifically a noir heist because and we get a like little kind of noir bit at the end as well, which I think is and with delightful. with Newman. Yeah, there's that little noir conversation with Newman and and mm. Mrs. Kramer. They love they but, love a bit of noir referencing. They love it. I've just realized I've said I'm I, saying it in a really weird way. Noir, not noir. <laughs> this is this episode is so mm. formative for me as a person Mm -hmm. it is one of it might be the first seinfeld episode i ever saw which would make sense just chronologically Mm -hmm. with my life that i would have seen this on tv they made a big deal about the kramer thing Mm -hmm. um i there's so much the the plan that george eventually comes up with is so vivid in my mind (laughs) as like me being like 10 or 11 years old going like i guess this is just how adults Mm -hmm. behave (laughs) and like really being like oh it like adult life is kind of a series of uh, subtle deceptions and manipulations. And that is, it's like a thing I've carried with me, not in terms of how I act, but just like, like what you assume from, from other people from childhood to yeah. now. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Not entirely inaccurate. Right. Not entirely inaccurate, but not, it's not like how you should be. It's just how people <laughs> often are. Do you know, do you know anyone who has uh, successfully, successfully enacted the executed switch? the switch yeah. i don't think so i know like i certainly know people who have had threesomes with their roommates yeah i've not seen it with a roommate <laughs> but i've seen it with like friends like uh yeah which, Interesting. Is, which is mad but but this this plan is so manipulative yeah that it's like Oh, like it's such, it's not just like, oh, I dated someone, we didn't work out, and then I dated a friend. That I've seen for sure. But like this, this proposed execution is so intricate and so fucked up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although, I like, if I can, like, if I uh, may, uh, to interject a a woman's perspective into into George's plan, there is a flaw in it. Because when the room, so in his, in his envisioning of it, when the roommate says 
uh, when the roommate says, "Oh, like he's like uh, he's like rung me up and like asked like asked me to dinner, like you know, like is that cool? Can I go?" And in his vision, the original girlfriend says, "Well, you want that pervert? You're yeah. welcome to him." No, that's Absolutely not going to happen. Absolutely not. Not in any way. Not in any way. Universe. Whatever is a girl who has just broken up with someone who's now greasing around her flatmate says absolutely go for it if you want to waste your time on that creep no 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 i'm not saying that the that the second that the second woman might not be into it and might not do it behind her friend's back that definitely is something that happens but sure but like her saying this, it and her being chill no absolutely not it it they really had to say that though because otherwise the jerry's question of like won't she get caught sneaking around is so prevalent so they had to make up this scenario excuse me where i guess like they're not friends they just live together and she so they don't really care about you know what i mean she's not like she just goes ah who who cares but it it does not strike me as realistic it's it's not realistic although i do like the um I do, I do like the conversation they had about like female roommates in the Middle Ages, and like Jerry gets really oh, yeah. pedantic well, about that. I, 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 it's, a, it's a nice conversation. It's very funny because you on some shows they would just let George the bit the joke would be George going in the Middle Ages you could get uh, you would you could get uh, executed just for bringing up the mm-hmm. switch, and then Jerry going. Uh, they didn't have roommates in the Middle Ages. And then that mm. is its own riff. It's so oh, yeah. funny so to that's, me. That's a great little riff when George is like, at some point between 800 and 1200, I'm pretty confident two women live together. And mm-hmm. pretty, two women live together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's very funny. And I think very interesting deep lore, the idea that Costanza knows exactly when the Middle yeah. Ages were. That's like, mm-hmm. that to me is, I think, uh, like a He's charming seen Robin little Prince of Thieves. look into mm-hmm. his kind of... In- into his intellectual development. No, yeah, so um, to, for the benefit of the listener, yeah. the plan they devise is that Jerry is going to propose having a threesome with her roommate to his girlfriend. The idea being that she's going to be so disgusted by this, she'll break up with him, she'll tell the roommate who will be enthused because she fancies Jerry already about this kind of like piquant idea, paving the way then for Jerry to kind of ask the roommate out. Well, no, she'll be flattered by her inclusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and, then, and then Jerry can then mo- move in from there. Um, we then get this scene where Elaine tries to steal the racket from the woman's office at Doubleday, and then uh, this woman's uh, very camp assistant like starts a fight with Elaine about the racket, um, and then <laughs> she's like, "Okay, I'm just going to go," and she's like, "We don't need to tell her about this," and he's like, "Well, we don't need to, but I will, <laughs> <laughs> but I will anyway," <laughs> which is great. Um, and then we get uh, we get like a little, uh, just a little very brief scene of Kramer and Babs on the street having a chat. Um, and then we uh, cut to Jerry talking to Sandy, and Sandy is into this threesome idea. Um, so this is immediately postponed. But, but I mean, this is kind of, I think this was the element of it that was missing for me, which is the one, the one turn of events they fail to account for is like, what if she's up for it? Which strikes me as most men would view this as a win-win, you know. No, 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 no. This, no, this, this strikes me as per- exactly right for these two. That it li- yes, because they, totally they don't like they don't apply any kind of sexual agency to women at all. Yes. So, like, and, of course they wouldn't think like, that they'd be into it. And George himself, right? We've already seen the episode where George mm-hmm. is like, I don't think I, I, I'll ever have sex with a woman again. I just can't imagine circumstances. So he's thinking, like, the only way to have sex with a woman is to trick her deliberately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, like, where he, he's at. And Jerry, right. For some and men, Jerry, it's true. <laughs> Yes. And, and with Jerry, it's, uh, like you said, Phoebe, no sexual agency to him, no sexual intrigue. It's very like men want sex. Women don't want to let men have sex with them. Mm. Very like stand-up comedy yeah, exactly. of that. And so yeah. the merry dance begins. 
Mm-hmm. This is how women have sex. This is how men have sex. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Aren't they doing the same thing just from opposite angles a lot of the like, time? No, 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 yeah. they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> and both of them, the guy's just miming driving a car. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no one's quite sure what's that was going how white on. people dance. Yeah, that's, um. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. I'm sure that's right. To be fair, the way they have sex, pretty similar. Pretty similar. Um, and uh, yeah, so then at the cafe, uh, Kramer and Babs are like cooking up some kind of like business idea for Babs yeah. or something like that. And then he's so she can to quit her job. job. Yeah, exactly. So she does. She does quit her job because we then get a scene at the restaurant where uh, George is hoping to check in on his girlfriend in the toilet and is informed that Babs has actually quit. Um, so he can't do that. Um, and uh, what what he does is he actually just follows her into the toilet and then obviously gets caught. Because this is a stupid idea. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Terrible idea. Yeah. All morality aside, just just a just a very poor tactical decision from yeah. George. Yeah. He's developed a monomania on the subject. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's throwing he's throwing good money after bad here. Mm-hmm. He should have regrouped and come up with a different plan, but he didn't do yep, that. Yep, that's right. Um and this is where we get the, the noir scene of Babs and Newman flirting on the street. It's uh, great. Smoking so cigarettes. So funny. He's wearing so a trench coat. Great. Love to see that. Um, and there is I think that there are Often across the series, too many jokes about Newman just being fat. Mm. But like in but the best Newman stuff is when you get Newman being like sneaky and weird. Yeah. And this is like absolutely oh, yeah, yeah. that. Definitely. Like he's he's got this like weird noir detective charisma. And at the beginning, it's kind of a fat joke, but it's also very silly where Jerry is talking about Newman has the same tennis racket that that Mr. Pitt has. And Elaine goes, Newman plays tennis, and Jerry goes, He's fantastic. <laughs> it, like, like, honestly, I've always chosen to understand that line completely straight face that it just so happens that that Newman is just fantastic at tennis. Agreed. Yeah, I don't I, think I, he's I totally supposed agree. to be joking at all because. No, I don't think they do. But I think Elaine's like disgusted, like yeah. Newman, yeah, plays, Newman tennis, plays tennis, but yeah. Jerry going like, <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, no, no, it's incredible. Right. It's, it's, it's very it's good. so yeah. funny. How um, dare Newman then, play tennis? And then there's this, this scene where he's, He's smoking his cigarette with Kramer's mom. You know, it's great. It's so funny. Whenever you see um, Newman being suave, I think that's like some of Wayne Knight's best acting. He's great. Um, and it, like, it happens like it happens from like, time to time. It's not that common, but whenever it does, I'm always very excited. We all love to smoke a cigarette with the moms. It's always a, it's always <laughs> a great position to find yourself in. Sometimes it finds me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for trouble, Newman? It's just so good. It's so good. It's Remember when so I was like good. 18 and would be around one it was like one of my friends' houses, if a bunch of us were like round there drinking or whatever, and it was like one of their one of their mums would always like come out and have a cigarette with us, and we all thought that this was like incredibly entertaining. Like this yeah. is like a great cool. a great moment. Yeah. We, we all enjoyed this. Um yeah, so then we're back at the apartment and then um Jerry is saying like, Oh, she's into the threesome idea and so is the roommate and then and then this is when George says what you alluded to earlier and he's like, Don't you just thank God that you know me, that you're exposed to my dementia every day? <laughs> um and then we get, G- sorry, go ahead. And, and George is into this idea for Jerry. He's like even better, essentially. Yeah. I'm into it for Jerry. You know, I can't, I can't believe he's turning this down. No, this is, this again, is a hand of God moment. It makes sense that he turns it down. Like, yeah. like, sorry, I can, I can believe it in terms of Jerry, but I can't believe yes. it in terms of what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems like these two women are both very compelling, mm. and it seems like in that situation, I mm. think if this had been me, a young as a younger man, mm. I would have gone. 
you passed hey, it now, but this, this is a new, I'm a, I'm a married fella. Mm. Um, but I would go, this is an opportunity for something new and exciting. <laughs> yeah. And that is Jerry's least favorite kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. And as he, as he says, he'd have to get orgy clothes and robes and lotions and he'd have to get orgy mm. friends. He's right. He's I right. Can't you can't guy. be, you can't be. What the... is he He's this weird lighting. Yeah. He's yeah. not like, he's not wrong. Like you, like, if everyone in like a friendship group is allowed like one weird quirk, mm. you can't be the orgy guy in the group of non-orgy people. I, I think that's true. So I, I think my my feeling on this is that um, it's it's a misunderstanding of, of the orgy people. Mm-hmm. I think. So uh, my opinion, if you have if you have like one threesome or whatever, or even multiple threesomes, that that does not an orgy guy make. An orgy guy is a very particular kind. I mean, it certainly exists, but. Um, I've I've met like orgy people and like it is their entire personality. Well, he's describing like a swingers lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like where your home is a place where you're like, oh, this is for sexual experimentation and fluidity. Mm. Yeah, there's and a huge <laughs> bowl full of keys at all times. <laughs> exactly. That's what he's describing. Not just like, all right, I'm gonna sleep with my girlfriend and her roommate, and like they seem psyched for it yeah. and that it doesn't have to be a whole thing yeah it's like if someone asked jerry to play tennis and he's like i've got not time i've not got time to go on the atp tour i can't do all that training Precisely. i can't go to wimbledon every year <laughs> like- i'm gonna have to get a whole wardrobe that looks like underwear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. it's because jerry is a demisexual like mm. like you keep getting puzzled about like oh why is he like rejecting sex with these hot women it's because he's got to like someone before he can have sex with them and if there's a reason for them not for him not to like them then he can't do it he's a he's a fragile boy yeah it's, it's difficult um, he's a fragile boy. a fragile boy yeah and then and then we get this sort of post credit scene where uh they decide that for to help elaine out what they're going to do is just going to swap out with newman's racket he's gone away somewhere so kramer's going to get newman's racket for them she's going to give it to mr pitt and then so Kramer takes them around to Newman's apartment. They open the door and what do they find but uh Newman and Babs in a in a fit of passion on Newman's couch. Hilarity ensues. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. Love people- it. Yeah, this episode, that orgy guy run is like I think about that all the time and have for <laughs> twenty five years, truly. It's mm. like one of the defining bits of me being a young person, of like thinking that and kind of hearing it and being like, I have no frame of reference for this. I guess it must be true, even though it is also funny. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, like peop- like more than one person has said to me that I like very clearly um, started watching started watching particularly Elaine at like far too young an age, and it's had too mm-hmm. much of an a, too much of a deleterious effect on my personality. And Turning how it's not into the dumbest bitch alive you see before you today. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Not. Not a big Elaine episode. It's not a big Elaine mm. episode, no. It's not a big Elaine it's episode. Not, it's not. Mm. Yeah. Which is a shame, but she'll be back. She'll come out swinging next mm. time. Oh, yep. yeah. She always does. It's because they does. can't include her in this one because, like, Elaine would absolutely be up for the orgy. And they yeah. don't want to, like, they don't want to add that kind of late night spice to a network mm. sitcom, I think. Yeah, I mean, her, the thought right. of Elaine at an orgy is too much for most men to handle. Yeah, I you know, think it's that's too, right. It's too powerful of Yeah, Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the 90s, it would have... People, old men would have been canceling their cable. <laughs> yeah. It's not on cable. They're still like, we can't, I can't risk seeing anything more seductive than this. Yeah, this could, I've got high blood pressure. I'm not sure I could, uh, I could, could drop dead in a, in a moment's notice. Exactly. This could actually be dangerous. Mm-hmm. It um, could. Yeah, no, 100%. She is dangerous. She's a dangerous woman. 
Is that Julie Louis Dreyfus now? To be honest with you. Yeah, no, no, you know. no, no. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. Um, <laughs> hold on. My there is uh, a stand-up named. Gosh, let me find his his uh, handle on Twitter. My, I got one of these for my. My God, I can't find it. I'll I'll send it to you after. But my the, sells shirts that it's the Seinfeld logo, but it just says Bennis instead of Seinfeld. Oh. And it is an exceptional garment. Oh I got God. one for I, my wife. I want one of those. Milo, oh, birthday. Yeah, we got to find it. I'll find it. Okay, I'll find you. it. We'll find it. We'll absolutely find it. Um, it's it's a real it's a real deep cut joke as well. Like you really got you got to be a Seinfeld head. Yeah. You know. Yeah. To the point that you know Elaine's last name in addition to just recognizing the font, yeah. which I think a lot of people have appropriated. Yeah, exactly. Including us on this podcast. We've, we've appropriated it for the logo. I, it's great. It's It's classic iconography. And it they'll, really they'll, bring in the, they'll bring in the people who were rebranded like Oxford University Press and just replace oh, yeah. it with just like some <laughs> bullshit. Mm, yeah. All whooshes and sleekness. Yeah. And then you're kind of running mm. it through a Google image search just to make sure that it's not some kind of Nazi rune. Oh yeah, you got you got to make sure of that. Yeah, mm. I love yeah. like I, I love logo redesigns. I think that I think it's like the funniest possible job to have because like having worked for places that have been like involved in a kind of logo redesign project and like you get they get people coming in and doing pitches and and like and like they're choosing these agencies and i'm literally just like why don't you just ring up an agency and say like yeah it looks like this and we want it to look like this and then they go yeah. like okay cool and then they go away and like i don't know like draw you something and then bring it back like what like this mm. and you say yes you don't need a you don't need a slide deck you go, sketch where the nazis are doing this you know uh we feel <laughs> like the current logo it has some negative associations we're trying to get away from that okay what about the, what about the, the Hindus? Have we stolen anything from like, the Hindus? It's just like a swastika that looks more like the Pepsi can rebrand <laughs> from like the late nineties, where it's just like sleeker. Kendall Jenner handing someone a big swastika. <laughs> yeah, what mm-hmm. whatever happened to the crystal swastika? That's, That's what we want to know. The big glass swastika. <laughs> I think you're. I I think you mean crystal knock, and we know. It <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah. Um, Milo, I sent you the. The link, if you want to include it oh, in show amazing. notes or yeah, anything, it's um at Kai Comedy K A I Comedy, and it's oh great, truly Fantastic. a wonderful. Well, I think we're yeah. not we're not gonna we're not gonna do better. Oh, yeah, I can than put that. it. So um, it remains for us to thank Josh very much for coming on. Thank you for having it's, me. It's been a, a pleasure for us. Thank you. So Love much. to talk about one of my favorite Seinfeld Perfect. plot lines. Oh, and such a landmark moment. I know. Cosmo, Cosmo. A, bit, a watershed. Cosmo. Truly, Cosmo, the orgy guy. It's all there. It's all there for the taking. Um, Josh, is there anything you'd like to plug to our loyal hogs? Oh, sure. Um, I have a, a stand-up special called People Pleaser that is available for rent worldwide on mm. Vimeo. Um, I think in the US, it maybe just US only and maybe not even Canada. Uh, it's free for Prime members. And mm. I'm on tour right now across the United States and into a little bit of Canada, Toronto oh, in January. Um, a little bit Canada? Yeah. Um, joshgondelman.com for all Sweet. ticket info but I'm going to Western Massachusetts um, uh, San Francisco Portland Seattle uh, Atlanta Memphis Louisville Boston Chicago Minneapolis uh, Milwaukee all Amazing. before the end of the year yeah we got we got a lot of listeners right. in Fantastic. the US I'm, so I'm really excited you, uh, hopefully you'll get some people along perfect It'd be nice yeah we'd love to Great. see it um, and if you're listening 
Oh, well, thank it's you so much. An for absolute me. pleasure. Um, absolute And if delight. you're listening to this, um, yeah, uh, it's a free one. We have we have a Patreon. It's three dollars a month for the basic bonus episodes. It's five dollars for the Discord and Movie Corner. It's ten dollars for the What's the Deal miniseries. Pretty simple. Um, there's more content if you want that. If you sign up to the ten dollar, you get to hear uh, me uh, some bonus material from this episode of me upbraiding Josh about his bit about Sublime. <laughs> which I meant to bring up at the start and then forgot. Um, but I've just remembered now. Um, and yeah, you and me have got some problems, my friend. <laughs> so, okay. so okay. sign up to the $10 well, I, I, I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. I'll pay $10 to hear it. All right, well, um, we will see you all very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.